0: Hey there, Braves fans. Welcome to another episode of State of the Braves. I'm your host, George McNair. It is really good to be with you guys, as always. And man, we are now 14 games into the regular season. The Braves stand at 10-4. and four. Uh, A pretty good start, but not a start without some bumps in the road um, and some challenges, especially in terms of injuries. Uh, we're going to get into that a good bit today and just talk about how uh, honestly, I'm I'm feeling really good despite the injuries, and a lot of credit has to go to Alex Anthopoulos and how he built this forty-man roster. Uh, you guys know that in in some ways some of the decisions early on uh, left me scratching my head, uh, particularly the Orlando Arcia decision. Uh, then RC goes out and plays great, um, and now injured, um, but but nonetheless, I think what you see here with Anthopoulos is a um, a strategy in which you build out um, as good of a 40-man roster as possible in preparation for injuries, knowing that baseball uh, leads to a lot of these nagging injuries uh, throughout 162 games. And strangely enough, through the first 14 games, the Braves had had to deal with a lot of injuries. Fortunately, not too many of them seem uh, major. Uh, the you know injuries that are going to keep guys out for a month or or more, and yet uh, you have to be able to sustain these things throughout the season. And so far, with a record of 10-4, and uh, it's actually pretty remarkable some of the things they're they're doing. So I want to start this episode, as I usually do, with some Braves news, and then we'll get into the meat of what we're going to talk about today. So the first thing um, that you guys probably are aware of is Ian Anderson. As much as he struggled through spring training, did not win a starter spot. Goes down to AAA. He actually had a horrific start uh, in AAA. And then after that, uh, it found out that he was going to need Tommy John surgery. So some of this is uh, maybe uh, evidence of or explains his struggles, right? Um, And the fact that he has not been sharp uh, for a long time, Uh, maybe this is part of that. Uh maybe it doesn't have much to do with it and it's just um, you know, coincidence, but I think at least it does explain some of his uh bigger struggles. You know, guys, don't forget that he was uh a near dominant pitcher in the postseason. I mean, he has some historic postseason numbers and yet the last year, year and a half for Anderson has not been good. And you wonder if that injury had really existed for some time and maybe just got worse over time. The thing with uh, with tears, you know, any kind of ligament tears in the elbow is you can have different grades of that. I mean, a lot of pitchers are going to have some level of tear uh, that they're going to be able to pitch with. Um, and so you wonder if this just got worse over time or if it was just slight enough to allow him to pitch, but but bad enough to take away some of his effectiveness. Uh, you know, Anderson also just has such an awkward, uh, unique way of delivering the baseball straight over the top you wonder if that puts added pressure on his elbow i would assume that it does uh but but no matter uh ian anderson is we're not going to see him for you know probably at least a calendar year uh and that's challenging for him uh in some ways it might provide him a fresh start you know with all of these struggles he's still a young guy um a lot, of, a lot of times guys will come back even sharper after Tommy John. Uh, you know, they'll get one or two uh, miles an hour back on their fastball and, and a little better command. So that would be awesome for him. He's just going to be, it'll be a long road back for him. But, uh, but nonetheless, it takes one potential option away from the Braves this year in their starting rotation depth. All right, the other thing that is even more recent is the injury to Orlando Arcia. Uh, he took a Hunter Green fastball, a 98 mile an hour fastball off the wrist. Uh, he stayed in the game for a little bit. Then, uh, initially, x rays were negative, And I'm assuming that um, there was a lot of, of swelling in that wrist wrist at the time. And so then, RCA goes on um, and gets a, uh, a CT scan and, and maybe an MRI as well on that wrist. And it revealed a microfracture. I'm no doctor. I'm not sure what a microfracture in the wrist uh, means in terms of his long-term availability, but at least in the short term, he he has been placed on the 10-day injured list. And with all of this, with you know, I mean, it's really got to be frustrating for RCA. You know, he he wins this uh, this shortstop uh, position battle uh, when really no one is expecting him to. Then he comes out for two weeks and really plays better than anyone could have ever anticipated. He's basically been a top fifty player in baseball if you look at wins above replacement and all that, you know, all those measures. Uh, so it's been a remarkable short little run for Arcia, offensively and defensively. He's been very good. And then he gets injured. So it's gotta be really, really difficult for him to, to take. And yet with all of this drama with the with the shortstop battle, Von Grissom being sent down to triple A, suddenly here we have Von Grissom being called on again. Uh, last year, this happened to him. He's called up um, to play second, uh, and now here he is with injury, called up to play shortstop. And, uh, you know, the Braves are going to lean on him. The The good thing with the Braves is they're a good enough team. They're not relying on him. They can withstand some shakiness at shortstop uh, defensively, and he was a little shaky in his first game up uh, in Kansas City last night. Uh, you can also understand some of that. He's been put in a tricky position where the Braves are kind of admitting to him that they don't think he's ready defensively, and then suddenly he's caught up, and they, you know, now you're at shortstop trying to prove yourself, uh, not to provide any, um, you know, any excuses for him. But that's a pretty tough one. He's got to feel the pressure, so he definitely looked a little tight defensively last night. He also made a couple good plays. But, you know, typically it's the plays that you got to, you know, uh, you have time to think about. You're thinking about the throw. Your that sort of thing is when you you might make the mistake. Uh, but Paul Christmas is back at shortstop and, and uh, he's going to have every opportunity to, in some ways, prove the Braves wrong uh, in terms of is he ready to play it defensively. Again, last night wasn't a great start for him. Um, he did have uh, a double and uh, an RBI and. Uh, we know that he can hit, uh, but obviously it's going to come down to defensively. And it's going to be a really interesting long-term to see how long RC is back. Once he gets back, what will the Braves' decision be at that point? Uh, and how are, how will they handle Grissom? Because are you going to send him back down again at that point? You know, So it's it's a pretty interesting situation, and we'll obviously see how that all plays out. All right, the last bit of Braves news I wanted to address, and this is a really positive piece of news is Andrew Jones his number 25 is going to be retired by the Braves a lot of people would say that this has been a long time coming I'm one of those guys Andrew's had a few off the field issues that I uh, that I wonder if that played a part in the Braves holding off for a little while um, as he's you know maybe been a little better of a model citizen over the last few years um, so That being said, uh, I I do think that stuff matters to the Braves and the organization as a whole. But he will be the 11th Brave to have his number retired. Um, And so just an awesome thing. Number 25 will not be worn by another Brave. Uh, I think it will be officially retired in September. Uh, Andrew is is number four in wins above replacement among all Braves position players all time behind, of course, Henry Aaron, uh, Eddie Matthews, and Chipper Jones. Um, and those guys have a pretty big lead on on Andrew, but nonetheless, fourth is is pretty darn good. Um, of course, Andrew is unique in that almost half of that value is defensive. Uh, if you were just looking at his offensive numbers, while he, he had 434 career home runs, other than home runs, uh, Andrew didn't have tremendous offensive value, but his defense... He's probably one of the greatest defensive players all time at any position. Um, Yeah, 434 career home runs. He did finish second in the MVP voting in 2005 when he had 51 home runs in that year. That was a tremendous year for him. Uh, And yeah, one of the greatest defensive players of all time. Uh, I think probably the greatest defensive center fielder of all time. So it makes sense that his number should be retired by the Braves. Of course, uh, you know, Andrew had one of the most unique uh, meteoric rises and then drop offs uh, in the history of the game for about a 10 to 12 year period. He was probably a top five to top 10 player in baseball in terms of just overall value. And then he cratered and he kind of, you know, he stuck around a little bit to accrue some more home runs, but he really didn't have much value after he left Atlanta. Um, And, you know, I think a lot of that was just physically he broke down. He he put so much into what he was doing in center field and sacrificing his body and diving and, and all those things. It's hard to Uh, quantify you know the the toll that took on his body I also tend to think he didn't take care of himself as much as he maybe could have he got kind of heavier in uh, this the latter part of his career but anyways as a brave he absolutely deserves his number retired so this did get me thinking uh, who will the next Braves uh, what number will be retired next for the Braves and it's kind of an interesting thing to think about because I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Um, and my my thought might surprise you. I think number 43 will be retired next. And you're like, who's number 43? That's Brian Snicker. I think Snicker's number will be retired once he hangs it up. Because I basically think the Braves are going to be a very, very good team. Uh, a World Series contending team as long as Snicker manages the Braves. He's in his mid-60s now. You know, will he manage for five, seven more years? I think the Braves will be very good throughout that entire time. He will accrue, you know, many more wins. Uh, who knows? Maybe the Braves could, could win another World Series or two. And uh, I and don't forget that Snicker has been with the Braves his entire adult life, basically. Um, he'll, he'll be, you know, knocking on about 50 years of service with the Braves when it's all said and done. So it just makes sense to me. Uh, they have also retired Bobby Cox's number six. So um, having having another manager's number up there, I think it probably will happen. Um, that's not the most exciting number to, to retire, but I do think it'll be the next one. After that, uh, when you start thinking about Braves between, you know, or Braves after Andrew Jones, uh, you, to me, I think you have to think Braves who probably have at least 10 plus years of service and or at least a fringe Hall of Fame candidate. And that's not many players. Um, I thought about Brian McCann. Uh, he's beloved, but I don't think he had quite the career overall um, that would be required. He's, he's not quite, I don't think he's quite a fringe Hall of Fame candidate. He'll get some votes, but uh, unfortunately, I don't think he quite makes it. I think he's probably the closest one uh, in that period between Andrew Jones and the next guy who would, to me, be Freddie Freeman. Uh, So I think Freeman, after Snicker, Freeman's number five will be retired eventually. But of course, he has many years left to play. Uh, So I would think, you know, maybe 10 years from now, you might be thinking about Freeman's number five being retired. After Freeman, um, I think it's some current guys who have a great opportunity. Ronald Acuna being number one uh, obvious choice. You know, will he re-up with Atlanta once his current contract is up Um, yet to be seen? I don't know. It would be obviously awesome if that were to happen and he would be a brave for life. But even if that doesn't happen, he'll have about 10 years of service with the Braves. And of course, you know, barring significant injury and, you know, knock on wood, hopefully that doesn't happen again for him. He's going to put up tremendous numbers. He's showing that this year. He's just, he's healthy and he's He's dominant. Um, And then Austin Riley, to me, is the other obvious choice because of his extension. He's basically going to have his entire career with Atlanta. He'll be, I think, 36 when that contract is up. Even if you just, you know, not not thinking about any of the other numbers, if Riley were to hit, I did the math uh, last night, if he were to hit about 38 home runs a year, which is about what he's been doing the last two years, Um, over the course of that contract, he's basically at at 500 career home runs. Uh, he just hit his hundredth home run last night. So, uh, yeah, Riley has, um, a great chance. Now, of course that's assuming also, you know, health throughout and that he is able to continue to, to do what he's been doing the last two years. Uh, but if he's a top 10, top 15 offensive player, um, over the course of that span of his career, I think he gets his number retired. Uh, You know, and there's some other guys that have a chance. You know, why didn't I mention Max Freed? Well, of course, there's a large chance that he doesn't extend with the Braves. Uh, If he does and he spends his career with the Braves, he could be one. Um, And then a few guys that are just starting their careers out, Spencer Strider, Michael Harris, but they're so far away from being able to show it uh, day in, day out, year in, year out. So. Alright, anyways, that's kind of a fun thing to think about, but let's move on, guys, to some things that are going on with the Braves right now. It's been a little while since I've been with you guys. Um, You know, Easter happened, and and life happened, too. My my day job, I got pretty busy for the last uh, week, week and a half, but I appreciate you guys being back with me, and uh, so anyways, yeah, let's get into some of the things that have been happening with the Braves, and honestly, the biggest thing that's happened uh, since we since we talked last, the Braves struggled against San Diego, dropped three out of four, but then have gone on a nice little run against some lesser teams, let's be honest, in Cincinnati and now um, also the Royals. But that being said, a nice little run, nice little bounce back after struggling against a very good San Diego Padres team. The Braves stand at 10-4 and four right now to start the season. But like I said, the, the big thing, the big theme for the Braves so far, unfortunately, this season has been injuries. Uh, players on the injured list or that have spent time on the injured list so far this season, Max Freed, of course, with his hamstring, uh, Kyle Wright with his shoulder inflammation, he has returned and pitched his, his first start. Uh, he wasn't super sharp, but it was good to see him back on the mound. Rysel Iglesias, the Braves closer. Uh, has not seen action yet with a shoulder thing. We, we don't know when he'll be back. Michael Harris tweaked his back early in the season, and he's on the injured list. Travis Darnot, a few games ago, um, unfortunately experienced his fourth concussion of his career. Anytime you're getting up to that number of concussions, you really start getting concerned for a guy. And so I'm sure the Braves are going to be careful with him coming back. Colin McHugh, another key Braves reliever. Also has some shoulder inflammation. This doesn't seem to be anything too, um, uh, too important. He's already been on the mound, thrown some. So he actually might be back pretty quickly. Uh, but he has missed a few games. And then, as I just already said, Orlando Arcia, um, his wrist injury. We do not know how long he'll be out. So that is a significant, en- a significant number of players that the Braves have lost just in the first basically two, two and a half weeks of the season. On top of that, the Braves have experienced some poor play from a few other guys. So, yes, not injury related, but you know, the Braves started the season with Schuster and Dodd in the starting rotation. Schuster had basically two bad starts. Dodd had one good start and one really bad start. They are both now back in AAA. And then Marcelo Zuna, guys, has been bad. He is hitting, I think, 083, uh, only three hits and 36 at-bats. Two of those were home runs, but that's about it. And those numbers tell you the story without even seeing him. He's just basically home run or nothing right now. He's pulling off the ball. He looked really good in spring training, uh, staying on the ball. He hit over 300, I think, in spring. And he just left all of that in Florida. Uh, you know, I started thinking back to Ozuna and his one great season with Atlanta was the COVID-shortened season. And what, what was that season? You didn't have any fans. I started thinking about this, right? You don't have any fans. The pressure is a little off. You can kind of relax. And all of his, um, you know, good habits came out in that season. The fans come back um, and in front of people, he does, he just doesn't perform and to me, the COVID year and spring training are a little more similar, right? In spring, you're just, you're just out there. You're just playing. You don't feel any pressure. It doesn't count for anything, um, really. And he played great in spring. So I just wonder if there's something of once he gets in front of big crowds, he just tries to do too much, right? It's, you know, the hip flies open. And he's just trying to pull the ball and crush the ball. And that's basically what we see most of the time. And occasionally he'll, you know, he'll look good and, and get out of those habits. But, man, it's it's not often. Uh, and I just wonder, you know, we've talked about it before. When will the Braves finally have had it? Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more in this episode. But nonetheless, right, all those players on the injured list, uh, a few other players who have not performed well, and yet the Braves are 10-4 and four and Honestly, out in San Diego, they have looked really, really good. And so to me, the story of the season so far is the depth of the 40-man roster and how Alex Anthopoulos has uh, just done a very good job of making sure that when one guy goes down, the Braves are not going to go into a tailspin. Um, multiple guys have stepped up in big ways. So I can give credit to Anthopoulos on one end, but of course, the main credit has to go to the players and the performance that they have put forth alright guys let's take a quick break and so you know this is just been very very crucial that the Braves have had these guys step up and and it also makes you realize that once the Braves do get back to full strength uh, with their top guys coming back how good and how deep this team really could be because we have not seen the best version of the Braves yet this year uh, you know so Guys, this episode is entitled, Bad Things Can Lead to Good Things, and uh, I am kind of a glass uh, half full kind of guy. I'm more of an optimist. I tend to see the you know, the good things, and and I mean, you could look at this team and be really frustrated with all the injuries, but through some bad things that have happened with injuries, I'm seeing a lot of good, and so I wanted to go into some of those things. So let's start with the starting pitching depth. All right, the Braves came into this offseason feeling pretty good about their starting pitching depth, really about 9 or 10 deep, and some things have not gone well in that regard. So let's go into the bad first, okay? So the starting pitching depth has been challenged greatly. You had day one Max Freed going down with that hamstring pull. He has not been back yet. Uh, Kyle Wright's shoulder took a little little while longer to get ready, and he is just getting ramped up. Right. And then you have uh, Schuster and Dodd both struggle in their first two major league outings. Soroka also had that hamstring injury in spring training, and now he's still just ramping up in AAA. And then I've already mentioned Ian Anderson goes down and needs Tommy John surgery. Right. So uh, the Braves' pitching depth is definitely being tested. It's not quite as deep uh, as it looked like to begin the season. And yet, What this did is it gave Elder, gave Bryce Elder, a great opportunity to go out there and pitch, and he has done it. He has looked really, really good in his first two outings. And what you're seeing, you might recall Elder had some great outings at the end of last season. I think some people said, well, it wasn't that impressive because those outings were against the Nationals and the Marlins, and that's reasonable, Uh, but he has looked Really, really good. Um, since coming up, I, he probably had to be a little frustrated with how things went down this spring, right? Um, he didn't have the greatest spring ever, but he wasn't bad either. And it seemed like he was kind of overlooked for these two young rookies. And I, I'm, you know, I, I did it too, right? I overlooked him too. I haven't really thought of Elder that much. When you look at Elder, nothing is gonna. Overly impress you. He's not a wow kind of pitcher. He doesn't do anything remarkable, but he's got some good things. Um, He's been more aggressive in the zone with all of his pitches. Um, Remember when he initially came up last year, he he was walking guys left and right. um, And, you know, he, he just didn't trust his stuff basically. And he looks much more confident in throwing pitches for strikes. The really good thing that he has too that right now Schuster and Dodd don't have. He has four solid pitches and he can mix and match all of those. Dodd, particularly when he got lit up against San Diego, you know, he is a fastball slider guy with an occasional changeup. So he's he's on the edge of calling him a two-pitch pitcher with with you know neither of those being elite. His slider is really good, but he lost the slider against San Diego, and that just made him very vulnerable. So Elder, I don't think, is going to experience that kind of situation. He'll probably give up a home run or two every now and then. He might go through stretches where he gives up a few hits in an inning and a couple of runs. But I don't think um, he is a guy that's going to constantly get lit up uh, because even if he goes out and he's lost a pitch, he still has three good ones to, to utilize. Uh, so in some ways, I think we all have underrated Bryce Elder and it might be to his benefit because he's probably pitching with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, and I don't know. I mean, if he continues to do this, he might just stay in the Braves rotation for a while, and the Braves have definitely needed him. He's been one of the the bright spots to start the season, and honestly, as amazing as this sounds, to start the season, he's been the Braves' best pitcher in the starting rotation so far. He's given them two really high-quality starts. Uh, No other pitcher has done that for the Braves, so it's it's good on him. So again, even though you've had all these negatives in the starting rotation, Bryce Elder, uh, it's allowed him to have an opportunity to prove himself, and he's definitely done that. All right, the next bad thing that's happened, Travis Darno goes down with this concussion, and like I said, it's his fourth concussion. Uh, so that's concerning. I would expect the Braves to be very cautious with when they bring him back. Remember, a, a catcher is going to experience you know, small amounts of head trauma all the time. You get a a foul ball back to your face mask. You get, you know, a follow through of the bat hitting your helmet. All sorts of things can happen. Of course, what happened here was a play at the plate. And so he has this head injury history, but Darnell also has injury history just generally throughout his career. This was one of the smart things that Anthopolis did, even in the moment, right? I, I was... Not too happy to lose William Contreras, but they bring in Sean Murphy, and this move is already looking really smart. Um, Murphy, you know, what what this is doing, um, Darno's injury, is basically forcing Sean Murphy into the lineup every day. And I think this is a huge benefit. This is not something you would do naturally. With Murphy and Darno. you wouldn't sit Darno for the first two weeks of the season and then just let Murphy play. But that's now that's what's happening, and I think it's going to benefit Murphy a ton, and we're already seeing that. Um, he's a guy that probably can basically catch every day, uh, but right now he's getting more at bats. He's obviously getting more comfortable at the plate. Uh, he hit a game winning home run, walk off home run versus the Reds in extra innings the other day, which was really cool to see his first home run as a brave. Uh, but ever since then, he's basically been an extra base hitting machine doubles and home runs uh over his last seven games, which has basically been almost he's been able to play almost every day he's hitting two sixty one with a four thirty three on base percentage and almost a seven hundred slugging percentage which anything over five hundred is good so almost every one of his hits at, uh over this over the course of these seven games has been an extra base hit the dude swings hard i mean he's up there trying to do damage he's you know he's probably going to have a low batting average, I would expect him to be a 240 to 250 hitter. But that high on-base percentage is really encouraging. And, um, you know, I I think it's really uh, potentially possible for him to have a much better offensive season this year than he did last season in Oakland hitting around all of the Braves' big hitters in their lineup. So a lot of good positive things. And, you know, I'm really just talking about his offensive game. Of course, we know he is a great defensive catcher, a gold glove catcher. Uh, crazy good arm. And so he's also been able to, you know, get to know every pitcher a little better as they're all throwing to Murphy right now. So I just think this is going to benefit him a ton. And when Darno does come back, I think the Braves are going to be even stronger for it. All right. So the other, the other bad thing that happened this year, Michael Harris goes down, he tweaks his back and you know, you don't want to play with back issues especially a young guy, you do not want to mess with that. So the Braves, again, I think are being super cautious with this. But one thing one thing that has allowed them to be particularly cautious is Sam Hilliard. This has given Sam Hilliard a chance to play every day, and he has just taken full advantage of it. This is a guy who, you know, on paper um, and really even in a uniform, he looks great. This is a guy that's almost maybe a full five-tool player, but has never been able to put it together in the big leagues before. Uh, but you you figured the Braves got him and probably did some, some swing change tweaks or just some things that maybe they saw that he could add to his game. He has played good all throughout spring training, and he has continued that throughout the course of the first couple weeks of the season. Uh, even just last night, the first game against the Royals, Friday night uh, he makes a diving catch in center field he crushes a 448 foot home run showing you his raw power is very real Uh, and over his first 28 plate appearances this season he's hitting 348 with a 464 on base percentage and over a 600 slugging percentage so you know that's a small sample size I'm not sitting here saying that that's going to continue all year or that Sam Hilliard is suddenly an all-star but this is just very encouraging. You know, they could not have anticipated him getting this kind of chance early in the season, and it could really benefit the Braves a lot too. So, again, over those first 28 plate appearances, two doubles, a home run, and by the way, this dude is is fast. Two stolen bases, you know, he's playing a true center field and performing at a pretty high level. And one funny thing that I, that I realized is he's already outperformed his fangraphs war projections. <laughs> they projected him at a 0.3 war for the season, and he's already at a 0.4 war, uh, in, in at least in terms of how fangraphs uh, tabulates their wins above replacement. So uh, he is uh, also a top 100 player in baseball right now based off of his war numbers. So Sam Hilliard has been very good, and that is in, again, A small number of plate appearances, he barely got any opportunities in the first maybe five games of the season. So this is just something that the Braves have to be really pleased with. Um, You know, I'm starting to think what is going to happen when Harris when he comes back. Um, To me, Hilliard should move over to left field. Uh, Then you have a dynamic, athletic outfield across the board, especially against right-handers. Right? Maybe you. Maybe you platoon Hilliard with somebody else. Maybe Pilar, uh, you know, when a lefty's on the mound, and, and Hilliard when, when a righty's on the mound. But, I mean, of course, this is in connection with you put Rosario at DH most of the time. Ozuna has been really bad. And last night, Ozuna, with a right-hander on the mound, you had Rosario as a DH, you had Pilar as a right-handed batter, Going up against a right-handed pitcher and Ozuna is on the bench, and it just makes me think. As bad as he's been, Snicker may be, you know, pulling in the reins a little bit with him, sitting him more often, and I think that makes even more sense uh, when when Harris comes back. When a righty's on the mound, if if Hilliard keeps hitting, I mean, obviously he get, he gives you much more value defensively as well. So um, he might be winning a starting spot, which is amazing to think about. Uh, we'll see how it continues. I mean, he might hit some struggles here and, and things change, but but as of right now, I, I could see that happening for sure. So this is a big deal. You know, the Braves finding out something early uh, that they have something with Hilliard. If Harris doesn't go down, Hilliard is buried at the end of the bench, and you really don't know. Uh, now they know. Uh, and, again, hopefully Harris will come back quickly because the Braves are going to be that much better when he returns. All right, another bad thing to start the season, bullpen depth, right? Iglesias, we have not seen him yet. And then Colin McHugh went down with a minor shoulder thing as well. And um, so this has been kind of a funny mix-and-match bullpen to start the year, but they have also uh, been very good. Uh, Jesse Chavez has basically been unhittable. Uh, You have Tonkin, who none of us even knew who Tonkin was to begin the year, uh, and he has been excellent. Anderson has been very good. He came out and saved a game the other night. Uh, you know, it's forced Mentor to be the primary closer. He actually has had one not so good outing. He's been a little more up and down, but the bullpen as a whole has been very good, despite two of the Braves' best relievers being down. Uh, so, you know, Tonkin, if you guys haven't heard his story, is pretty awesome. He He's been Uh, struggling to get back to the majors for about seven years. He's just toiled in the minor leagues um, after I think he pitched a little bit with the Twins uh, early in his career. But this dude is 33 years old. He's hung on. He's continued to pitch in the minor leagues all this time. And he has looked really good with the Braves. And, I mean, I don't know if it's going to continue, but it's pretty awesome that he has won this spot. And I wonder what the Braves will do once uh, Glacius and McHugh do come back and who might uh you know might go down cuz the Braves have had a lot of good um a lot of good performances out there lately and a couple of guys that they would expect to be the better uh you know more talented uh relief pitchers actually have been the worst um Jimenez and Litke have been a little shaky whereas the rest of the bullpen has been really good all right um the last you know negative thing to talk about is of course Orlando Arcia as great as he was playing in the first two weeks, then his wrist just gets demolished by a 98-mile-an-hour fastball, and he's got this micro-fra- microfracture. So we don't know how long he's going to be out, but of course this is forcing Vaughn Grissom, after the Braves basically demote him, I mean you could view it as a demotion, back down to AAA to work on his defense. Now they don't really have that option. They, they bring him back up. He comes up to play shortstop. Some of you might be asking, well, you know, what about uh, what about Shoemaker? Maybe he could have come up. You know, here's the thing with Shoemaker: he had a great offensive spring training. He is the better defensive shortstop. He has never hit at the minor league level, and guess what's happened to him in the first two weeks in AAA? He's been bad. He's been bad offensively. Uh, He's hitting about 200, zero power, striking out. So, guys. the the jury is still out on if Shoemate can hit at all at the major league level. Vaughn Grissom, in the meantime, was hitting about 370 at AAA. But still, we do know that defensively, he's got some work to do. So he comes up last night, his first game, first at bat, he hits a double down the first base line, RBI. Okay, we know he can hit. He had a couple other sharp hits. Uh, that was his only hit of the of the night, but a couple sharp balls off the bat. But, um, yeah, offensively, he's just fine. Defensively, he was shaky to start. Um, He had a couple of, he had a double clutch um, throw. So, you know, Olsen wasn't at first. uh, Grissom double clutches when he probably just should have thrown it and trusted Olsen to get back to the bag and guy, you know, guy reach base. Uh, He had another play um, where. Uh, Morton was covering first on a double play, and he just zipped it past his head. Now, they gave the, um, the error to Morton there, but just another play that um, wasn't totally smooth. Maybe Grissom takes a little off that throw, and um, you know uh, a more veteran shortstop probably does that, and they're able to make that play. And then he had another play, which was an error on him that he booted behind the second-base bag. So it was not a smooth day at shortstop. For um, for Grissom, and yet he also made some good plays. He kind of settled down. All of that stuff happened early in the game, first few innings, and then he settled down after that and looked much better. Uh, you got to give the guy some time. I'm not I'm not worried, um, but it is a reminder that this is what the Braves were seeing, you know, in spring training. This guy is uh, a work in progress defensively. And, you know, but he's back up because they need him, you know, and this is what injuries do sometimes. So I really hope that this time is uh, going to be another really positive thing for the Braves. Yeah, it puts Grissom in a tough spot in some ways. He's going to have to develop at the major league level, which is hard to do on a team that's winning. Uh, but I think the Braves are so good that, you know, especially against these bad teams, it's kind of, to me, I think it's kind of beneficial that he comes up, In Kansas City versus the Royals, it's just a less intense spotlight to begin with. He can get his feet wet and hopefully get a little more comfortable with each passing day. Um, All right, so those are all the bad things that I think are turning into some good things for the Braves. And like I said, once all these guys come back from injury, guys, all of this has happened. The Braves are 10-4, and and this is basically without Max Fried, without Michael Harris, Without your closer Iglesias, uh, which of course uh, affects a lot of things with your bullpen, it lets everything just slide back into place. Um, These are, you know, it's all encouraging to me. Once those guys come back, man, how good and how deep are the Braves gonna be? The other thing that um, that these first two weeks have exposed is just how good the top three in the Braves lineup is. Acuna, Olson, and Riley have all been really, really good. And Acuna particularly, guys. I mean, if you've been paying attention, he just, you know, my last episode, it's Acuna's back, and it, that's still true. <laughs> he is um, he is just continuing to hit the ball hard everywhere. He crushed a home run last night. Again, the, you know, just seeing him lift the ball a little bit more, but he's still hitting the ball hard basically every time he puts the bat on the ball. Uh you know, three home runs, six steals. Uh, this guy is just awesome, and I hope he just continues to do it. Olson went through a stretch of some strikeouts. He's going to do that, but he hits the ball hard pretty much every time as well. And then Riley is just is just good, right? And these top three guys have power. With Acuna getting on base so much, uh, it's just it, it's they might be. I think Mark Bowman on uh, the Braves website today put out are they the best three top three in baseball and yeah maybe so so just some really fun stuff to see there all right the last thing i'll mention is is strider you know strider also has not been his dominant self to start the season i could have put this in the negative as well but it's it's a little bit more in the gray area um but if you were paying attention much in his last start in his last start against the reds strider was not his dominant self his fastball was sitting more 95 96 which is um I, I would love to be able to throw 95 miles an hour but for him that's not what he is and um I I give a lot of credit I'm getting some of this information from Dave O'Brien um in his podcast but I'm gonna uh throw it out to you guys too because I just think it's such good information so I did notice you know Strider struggling he had a balk he walked the bases loaded um He's getting way more foul balls off of his fastball. It's just not dominant stuff. And Rick Kranitz comes out for a mound visit, and you can tell that he's giving him something. And uh, from Dave O'Brien, basically what Kranitz said is, you know, what the heck is wrong with you? Like, what are you doing? Uh, and probably saltier words than that. But, um, but Strider credits Kranitz for doing that, getting in his face and basically waking him up. And the report is basically Strider, in his mind, really has been focusing on trying to get deeper into games, maybe taking a little bit off his stuff to conserve energy. And Kranitz is like, stop it. Just be your dominant self. Let it eat. And uh, it kind of snaps Strider back into it. And the last three innings of that start were back to dominance. You were seeing 99-100 to 100 on his fastball. I think some people were getting concerned about his velocity, but it wasn't that anything's wrong with him. It was just his mentality and, and how he was pitching. And so 99 to hundred, you know, the break on the sliders more, more, uh, is, is sharper and nobody's hitting that 99 to hundred mile an hour fastball. And, and honestly, what you saw too is Strider barely got through five innings, you know, a hundred plus pitches. He wasn't efficient, uh, when he was pitching with the thought of trying to go deeper into games Um, we've seen plenty of times when he just attacks the zone, it can be one, two, three, you're out. Um, and he can actually, because he's so dominant that way, he can pitch, he can pitch efficiently while he's throwing a hundred miles an hour. So that killer instinct was back. So I'm, I'm looking for a stretch of dominance from strider, uh, you know, in these upcoming starts, even though we haven't seen it yet. So it's almost like you're also getting a, a different strider, uh, as well. Uh, and hopefully we'll we'll see Max Freed make his debut soon, and so I am I think we're we're very close to getting that starting rotation back to 100% healthy, raring to go, and um, so I really think good things are on the horizon for the Braves to make a really good run here. They go back to San Diego uh, to play them soon. It would be awesome to see the Braves, you know, punch them back in the mouth after San Diego came and took three out of four in Atlanta. Uh, so, guys, I, I'm looking for that. I hope that's going to happen. Uh, the Braves play the Royals again at 4 o'clock today, Saturday, and another game, one. Uh, sorry, I think it's 2 o'clock Sunday since they're central time. So hopefully they can just continue to dominate the Royals. This is not a great Royals team. And, uh, you know, just a lot of the baseball world has been talking about the Rays. They start 13-0. And, uh, I mean, good on them, but I think the Braves have a great chance to, to make a run here and people will start talking about them again too, because we know how good they are. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of state of the Braves. I'll talk to you guys soon.